You are listening to the Impact Church Podcast. To learn more about Impact Church, visit us online at impactharlem.org. You can also check us out on social media. All right, what's up, Impact? So grateful to be sharing the word and finishing off this series with you all this morning. We started this series on Easter Sunday. Uh, God so loved, and obviously it's based out of John three sixteen. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And Pastor Dustin has just done an amazing job of walking us through a couple different angles of God's love for the past couple weeks. Easter Sunday, he walked us through how God's love is available to us, that it doesn't matter what we know, anything that we've done, who we are, that God's love is available. And I don't know about y'all. If y'all ever, if you grew up in the 90s and early 2000s, whenever you hear, I've heard a lot of sermons with those like points kind of being, do you guys think of that old Backstreet Boys song? Did it ring a bell for anybody else? It's just me. It's just, that's really embarrassing as a, as, a, as a guy that it just rang a bell for me. I know it rang a bell for uh, Janine as well, but yeah, like I don't care who you are, what you've done, whatever those words are, like it just rang the bell of that old Backstreet Boys song. And uh, so that was it. Easter Sunday, we, we understood that God's love's available to us. What doesn't matter what we know, doesn't matter what we've done, doesn't matter who we are, God's love's available. Last week, he brought us through uh, how God's love affects us. Um, it calls us by name. God's love calls us by name. It calms our fears. It cancels our doubt. And I love the point that Pastor Justin talked about last week where the doubt, like sure we'll have, we'll have some doubts about this, that, or the other, and we'll have questions, and that's fine. That's fine. That's the growing process that we do, but, but the doubt of who God is, right? Who God is, what Jesus did for us, that's, that's gone, right? And we can stand on that truth and stand on that love that was poured out for us, and it affects us in that way. So I, here, at, here at Impact, we, we have this saying that we are about um, leading people to know the love of God, grow in the love of God, and show God's love to the world. So I don't know if we plan to do this. Like, I sit in on the, like, sermon series prep meetings, and I don't remember us talking about this. I may have, like, fallen asleep or something. But we, we've kind of worked that out. Like, the first week was knowing God's love. Was God's available to us. We have to know God's love. We have to understand it and submit our lives to Jesus, right? And the second week is growing in God's love. How does God, God's love affect us and change our lives and change our hearts a little bit? Well, today we're going to talk about showing God's love to the world. How does it affect us in a way that it, it's an external action to the world and to others in our hearts? How does it, how does it change us and change the way that we live? Um, so Theo, you guys know, most of you all know that I have three kids. Youngest is Theo. And Theo is a mama's boy. And this story almost got ruined because this morning as I was going through my notes again, I came out of the, the teacher's lounge and uh, Dustin was walking up with him and he was like, daddy, daddy, daddy. He never, ever does that. So he always wants mama. And then I found out later from a mother-in-law that he asked for mama first. So that makes sense. But, but he is a mama's boy. He doesn't want daddy snuggles at night. He wants mama snuggles. He doesn't want daddy kisses. He wants mama kisses. He wasn't always that way, right? There were times when I would come home from work 
and he would run to me. Or I'd go to pick him up from the sitter, and he'd run to me. He was so excited to see me. Now, I walked home from, I got home from work yesterday. He's done this a couple times in the past few weeks. But I got home from work yesterday, and he's standing at the top of the stairs with a toy, and he says, Daddy, doesn't say, so excited to see you, doesn't even really have a smile on his face about seeing me. I open the door, I don't even think the door's shut at this point. Daddy, can you fix my toy? Not, not, not I love you, not I'm so excited to see you, nothing like that. It's, Daddy, can you fix my toy? And I'm not here to bash on Theo, I love him. But are we like that with God sometimes? Sometimes we, I feel like we, we approach our relationship with Jesus as a one-way street. And I asked him, I said, Theo, what am I to you? I said, I'm, am I just the guy that comes home and, and fixes your messes and puts batteries in your toys? He said, yep. Right from the top of the steps, poked his little nose over the gate at the top, said, said yep, and held his toy up. So I think sometimes we're like that with God, that, that we... We know that God loves us so much, and we know that he's there for us and that he's, he's going to provide for us, he's going to take care of us. And we almost look at God sometimes as, I just need someone to fix up my messes and fill my batteries. And that's not the fullness of the way that we should respond to God's love. I think when we respond to how God loves us, that's a part of it that, yes, he does do those things. He provides for us. He fixes our messes. He fills our batteries. He fills our hearts. But how does that, how does that show itself in our life? So I think there's three points we're going to kind of bounce around Scripture today. Um, but we're going to see how God's love calls us to, to show God's love to the world. Uh, and how, what, are our, what is our purpose with God's love? So the first point is this. God's love, actually, I'm going to wait a second. You guys already got the point, but I'm going to come back to that in a second. I'm going to pray real quick, then we're going to go through the points. God, we just thank you once again for this morning. And we thank you once again for your love. And we thank you that you loved us so much that you, you set forth this rescue mission. And Lord, I pray that that we would trust in that and we would see that truth, but we would let, us cha- let it change us and let it seep into our hearts and our souls and affect us in a way that, that, that we would be kingdom-minded and that we would glorify you with everything that we have. In Jesus' name, amen. So the first point, God's love calls us to glorify him. God's love calls us to glorify him uh, Luke chapter 18, verse 35, we're going to jump around a little bit, says, as he drew near to Jericho, this is Jesus, a blind man was sitting at the roadside begging, and he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? He said, Lord, let me recover my sight. Jesus said to him, recover your sight. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him, glorifying God. Glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. See, we can, we can look at this a couple different ways. And we have this tendency in, in the modern church to, to read Scripture in a certain way where we put ourselves in, in some of the wrong places. So we can look at this and we can say, man, Jesus can, can break my chains. And He can. That's, that's true. He can. 
Jesus can heal my ailments. And He can. That's true. But if we focus on what Jesus can do for us, then we miss the whole point of what Jesus, of who Jesus is. Something we have a tendency to do uh, is place ourselves as the hero in some of these stories. An example is the story of David and Goliath, right? How many times have we read that account and said, man, it doesn't matter what type of Goliath is put in front of me. We sing a song here that, that talks about like my Goliaths, uh, my giants falling, right? Um, but we read it sometimes and we put ourselves like, Goliath, what Goliath is in my way? And I, you know, God's just calling me to, to be David and throw that stone at that Goliath and just you know, trust that God's with me. And that's, you, can, you can understand that, that that makes sense. Like, God is with David. He trusts that God's with him, and he goes and faces his fears. But I want to I submit the idea that we aren't David. We're not David. It's not about us, right? It's about Jesus stepping in the gap and fighting our sins and our failures and our weaknesses, a.k.a. Goliath, on our behalf. In this story, the truth of the matter is, we are the Israelites who are just trembling and terrified on the side of the mountain. And what does He do that for? For His glory. For His glory. And that's what I want us to really drive home today, is that that God's love calls us to glorify Him. The Bible's not about us. Yes, God loves us. He died for us. He defeated death. He gave us victory through Him. But it is ultimately for His glory and His renown. One of my favorite passages, Isaiah 26, 8. It says, Yes, Lord, walking in the ways of Your truths and of Your laws, we wait for You. Your glory... And your renown are the desire of our hearts. Is that the desire of our hearts? Has God's love affected us to where His glory and His renown are what we exist for? Or what we exist to make happen? Uh, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. That sounds awesome. Again, there is truth behind that God is for us. He does love us. This is, he's, he's my shepherd. I shall not want. Like he takes care of us. He, he gives us peace, lets us lie down in green pastures beside still waters. Like, that sounds awesome. But then why? Why? Verse 3, he restores my soul, leads me in the paths of righteousness. For what? His name's sake. What does God's love do? It calls us to glorify him. God's motivation for these things, His love for us, His provision for us, His leading us, us is not just for us, but ultimately for His glory. Uh, Romans 9, verse 17, For Scripture says uh, to Pharaoh, For this very purpose I've raised you up, that I might show my power in you, and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. Whose name? God's name. God's name. So I think when we, when we take a look at this and we, we react to God's love, I think we have this tendency sometimes in the church to think that, yeah, God loves us, and that's all true, but it's ultimately 
our responsibility to return that love to God because it's about glorifying and honoring and living for the name that is Jesus. So how do we do that? How do we accomplish that? Psalm 96, 1 through 4. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord and bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the people. For great is the Lord. He's greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. You guys are just saying like, y'all, you are the worship pastor and you're just going to tell us to sing as much as possible. And that's true. I'm going to tell you to sing as much as possible. But that is, that is giving God glory with our lives. See, what we're doing when we sing, when we praise God, there's a reason that we, that we sing on Sunday mornings, that we should engulf our lives with, with music that pleases God. The entire middle, largest portion of God's word songs. It's songs. It's songs and poems written to glorify God. Music is remarkably important to God because he knows, he designed it this way, that it reaches and touches certain areas of our souls and our hearts that just discussion may not. There's something about the way God designed music that he knows that it can reach deeper than just conversation can sometimes. So we sing to God a new song. That is a way that we can glorify his name. Lift him up. Um, Louis Giglio is the pastor of Passion City Church in Atlanta. Um, he's the leader of like the kind of the passion movement in the Christian church. Um, he defines worship uh, as giving God his breath back, right? So we are returning to God his investment into us. We are saying, God, we love you. We honor you. You are worthy. Thank you for all that you've done. That's just one way that we can just return God the glory he deserves and give him the glory he deserves. Back to the passage in Luke, verse 43. Immediately he recovered his sight, followed him, glorifying God. And the people saw it and gave praise to God. They gave praise to God. Uh, another way, Matthew 28, 19, Great Commission. Most of y'all, if y'all been to church, uh, at all during your life, you probably heard this. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Whose name? The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. It is all circling back to God. It all returns to giving God glory with our lives. So we sing out and we, we posture ourselves in a way where we remind ourselves as we're singing that God is who he is, that he's great, he's the name above all names, and that he can carry every weight and handle every burden, nothing's too big for him, and that he does love us, and we stand on that truth, because it is true, but we do so in a way that we return God his breath back, and we also do that with our lives, we return God his life back that he breathed into us, by living in a way that we minister to those around us and represent Jesus to those around us and love on the people around us. So how do we, how do we glorify God? Because his, his love calls us to glorify him. We can praise him and we live for him day in and day out. We put his love into action for his glory. I love that just, you know, like I said before, whose name did he call us to baptize in? 
Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. He didn't call us to baptize in the name of Andrew. There's no notches on my belt and how many people I've baptized. He didn't call us to, to baptize in the name of Impact Church or any denomination. It's cool to know the numbers and how God has, how many people God has affected and, and turned their lives around. But what is ultimately the point of it for God's glory, for His glory? So God calls us to be uh, to to glorify His name. God's love also calls us to be gracious. So when I say this, I'm not talking about uh, being generous. Obviously, that's huge. That is part of the Christian life is being generous with one another. But I'm talking about being merciful. This is, this is an example that Jesus set for us moment by moment, story by story of his mercy and his grace towards the people around him. One of my favorite stories, John 8, verses 3 through 11, the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery, red-handed, like she's caught, like no doubt about it. Placed her in the midst, and they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. So what do you say? They said this to test him, and they might have some charge to bring against him. So Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more he bent down and started writing on the ground. But when they heard this, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with a woman standing before him. So Jesus stood up and he said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on sin no more. See, I think we, we, we see sometimes in, in our culture and in the church, and we've talked about this before, how there's like a Jesus plus mentality. There's like, you have to do this, this, and check these boxes before you can come to Jesus and receive his love. Like, that's not the truth at all. If anyone has ever told you that, just do everything in your ability to scratch that from your memory. Lay it down at the foot of the cross because that's not the story. You don't have to fix yourself before coming to Jesus. Jesus will fix you in the shape that you're in. And I think we just get that mixed up sometimes in the church. But we have to approach God's love has to, has to infiltrate us in a way that we, we become gracious and merciful the same way that Jesus was. Right? Like, he had every right to say, yeah, like you royally messed up. And so, by the way, so did the man that was not brought out here before me. So did he, but that's a whole different story. But they brought her out, and he said, no, I'm not going to condemn you. But get this, he said, go on and sin no more. Like, he told her, like, yeah, you sinned. I recognize that you sinned. I'm not going to to condemn you for it, but I am going to call it out in love and encourage you to not do it again and command you to not do it again. So being merciful doesn't mean winking at sin or just sweeping it under the rug. You can stand on truth, on the truth of God's word and what, God's do, what God does and his, his, 
the way he expects, the things he expects from his people, you can stand on all of those things without being a total jerk about it. And I feel like sometimes because of this Jesus plus mentality that that we have fostered in the church for so long, we become jerks about it. Just to be really clear, you don't have to be perfect to approach Jesus. Jesus is enough. Let me say that again. Jesus is enough. Amen? Jesus is enough. Your salvation isn't contingent on anything other than Jesus. Ephesians 2 says we are saved by, faith, by grace through faith. By grace through faith. By the work that Jesus did on the cross and overcoming death. That's the grace that he took on our debts and our sins on the cross. And he swallowed them up in victory through faith. So by grace, through faith, us putting our faith in Jesus and who he is. And then letting that just trickle down into our lives and affect our lives moment by moment. Process us. We are all in process. And I think we have a tendency to, to look at the world and, and not understand why they do things a certain way or think things a certain way. The world will never look like us until, or look like, I'm not even going to say us, look like Jesus until he recreates it after he comes back and returns. So we have to, we have to pull back our expectations, show grace, show mercy, and do so in love. Standing on truth, but doing so in love. God's love calls us to glorify his name. God's love calls us to be gracious. And God's love calls us to have gall. And yes, I know gall is a weird word to be here. I just wanted to go with the G theme because I'd glorify gracious and gall. My original word was uh, confidence. So, But we're going to go with gall because I'm just going to do the pastor thing and make it all work. So God's love calls us to have gall. One of my favorite stories, favorite stories in the Bible is in Acts 3. And the audacity, the, the audacious confidence that Peter and John show has changed my life forever. So let's look at that. We're going to be, uh, I'll, let me set up the story real quick. And then we're going to jump into Acts 4, kind of the end of this story. So, so John and Peter are going to pray at the temple. At the gates, you see this beggar uh, who, is, who is lame. He can't walk. He hasn't been able to walk his whole life. And he's begging for, for funds and for change and for provisions, essentially, to, to get through life, Right? So he's begging for these things at the gate. John and Peter walk up and he catches their eye. And they say to him, they say, we don't have gold or silver to give you. But what we do have, we give you. In the name of Jesus, remember, his name, glory to his name. In the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And what does he do? This man who has not walked his entire life gets up. And walks. And the people around, they see it. And just like we read in, in Luke, they're excited. They praise God. This is awesome. That's, I mean, I don't know if you saw that in person, how you would feel. I would imagine it would be pretty stinking awesome to see someone who just cannot walk stand up and walk, right? So, so they, they do this, and then they, the people recognize it. And then Peter goes on to preach um, repentance to the people around him, around the temple gates. And he says, we do this in the name of Jesus. Jesus, the guy who y'all crucified. And he raised from the dead, right? 
and they preach repent from your sins and find life in him. So they preach the name of Jesus and the religious leaders of the time are around and they don't like it. They don't like like anything uh, except for themselves. But the religious leaders at the time, they don't like this. They have the power. They pick them up. They put them in jail. They're like, what are we going to do? So they get more religious leaders to come in. They end up going before the Sanhedrin and having to essentially say why they said what they said. And they said, we do this in the name of Jesus, right? Uh, again, they say, like, the guy y'all crucified. So jumping into Acts 4, essentially the Sanhedrin commands them to, to not speak of Jesus. So Acts 4, verse 18 and 19. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. We can't help but speak of the love that God has imparted on us, right? We can't help. That's, it's, it's who we are. It's in our DNA. It's how we exist. Like, we have seen God's love. Jesus has done this for us. We have to talk about it. And whether y'all think it's right or whether God thinks it's right, that's the most important thing, is we're following God here. We're going to glorify his name. We're going to preach in the name of Jesus. And it says the Sanhedrin then uh, essentially threatened them more and sent them on their way. They couldn't deny what had been done. But to have the gall, the audacity to stand up before these men, some of the very same men that sent Jesus to the cross, to have that audacity to say, it doesn't matter what y'all think. It doesn't matter what y'all think. It only matters what God thinks. And God's love has changed us in such a way that we can't help but speak of those things. God's love, it calls us to glorify Him. And that is a common thread in all three of these points. But it calls us to glorify Him. It calls us to be gracious. And it calls us to have a sense of gall and audacity in our faith. That whatever we face, whatever's before us, Jesus can get the glory out of it. And yeah, out of those situations, out of those moments, we can, our comfort level can go from pretty terrible to, to okay and to better. Jesus will work in that way sometimes, not all the time, sometimes. But how do we leverage those moments for the glory of the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? See, Jesus' love is available to each and every one of us. Jesus' love changes us. It calls us by name. It secures our thoughts and our fears. It gives us hope. It gives us a future. But what is that future? What does it look like? It looks like how we respond to God's love. So this morning, I'm going to close with this. I don't know where each of y'all stand as far as Jesus goes. Back to what I was saying earlier. Jesus, that's it. Let's just talk about Jesus. Came from heaven, from his throne, embodied himself in his creation. To think about that, I think, is, is, is just ridiculous sometimes. That he would bring himself and put himself in the flesh that he sustains, that he knits together, right? To breathe the breath and the air that 
He sustains. He did this for us. The first step is always putting your faith, trusting in Jesus. And then you're in process. And, you, and God's love changes your heart. I'm not going to try. I love that, that Dustin said this a couple weeks ago. Um, I will never try to manipulate y'all into trusting in Jesus. That has to be an individual moment. That has to be a recognition moment in your heart where you say, I'm a sinner. I have, I have messed up. And I can't do anything about it. But Jesus can. Jesus did. And Jesus can, can clear my bill that I have racked up. It has to be a, a personal moment. I love Jesus when he's talking to Peter. He says, who do the people say I am? He say, oh, some say you're a prophet. Some say you're Elijah. He says, who do you think I am? Because it matters individually. Who do we think Jesus is? Because I know who Jesus thinks we are. Jesus loves us. And Jesus died for us. And he came for our sin. And he has a purpose for us. He has a plan for our lives. And he has a way that he has designed things that will ultimately be the best of ways. But sometimes we get in the way of that. And we just muck up the water. Jesus is there to clear it. All in turn, we respond with glorifying his name. So I don't know how you are this morning, if you've placed your faith in Jesus, let's start there. If you've placed your faith in Jesus this morning, you know you're a Christian. You know you've looked to him in faith. You follow Jesus. How has his love affected? How has God so loved the world? How does that affect our hearts and our lives? How does that affect our actions, our interactions with, with others? Are we, are we merciful or do we, do we find ourselves kind of like the... You remember the story of the, the master who forgave his servant of his debt. And then, he, then the servant went out and found someone who owed him money and demanded that he get paid immediately or else the guy was going to get thrown in jail. Do we find ourselves like that sometimes where we just lack mercy with others? We lack forgiveness with others? Do we, do we fill our lives with things that glorify God? Things that are kingdom-minded? We talked in our small groups of last season about being kingdom-minded in all we do. Do we live out that way? Thinking how we can leverage our lives for the glory of God and for the kingdom. Man, I hope so. I hope so. But I know it's hard. Like, I know that's hard. And I'm right there with you. So this morning, I just want to challenge all of us who call ourselves Christ followers. Reevaluate where you're at and make sure that from this point forward, we strive to commit to God's glory for the glory of his name, right? For his name. But maybe this morning, you don't know who Jesus is. You've never experienced that love. You've never seen the, you don't even necessarily understand the, the weight of what God did for you, what Jesus did for you on the cross. Maybe today could be the day that you, or today can be the day, if God's working in your heart, that you say, I want to trust in Jesus. So if everyone would, go ahead and stand to your feet. You would bow your head and close your eyes. I'm just going to pray for us for just a moment. We're going to sing a song like we normally do in service, the same, similar way that we always do. But I'm going to be down here. If you want to surrender your life to Jesus, or if you need to pray this morning, if you need to recommit to living for Jesus, these, these stairs 
They're open. You can come down and pray. You can pray in your seats. But whatever God is, is, is moving your heart to do this morning, act on it. How do we respond to God's love? Let's respond to his love this morning. Thank you for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast. For this and other messages, visit us online at impactharlem.org. In the meantime, you can subscribe to this podcast, rate and review it on iTunes, and share it with your friends on social media. Once again, thanks for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast.